You're listening to a Bible lesson taught in the youth group at Trinity Baptist Church. We hope this Bible lesson will help and encourage you as you seek to live for the Lord. I will open our time up here together. I know we just all prayed, but let's real quick open our time up here together and then we'll jump to Philippians 1 again. Let's pray. Dearly Father, God, we thank you for the opportunity to be in your house again this morning. Thank you for these young people, Lord, and their faithfulness. God, I ask that you would please uh, use your word in our hearts today, Lord, as we look at, continue to look at this church in Philippi. And then, Lord, would you help these truths to sink down, Lord, and apply them to our lives. We love you. Thank you for all that you do in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Philippians chapter 1, 1 through 8, we talked about last week. Who is the writer of the book? Simple. Paul. Yes, yes, good, good. We'll move to harder and harder. So Paul, he's writing to the church at Philippi. And last week I had you look in your Bibles to see where Philippi was on the map. So in verse number, in verse number two, I mean, verse number three, we talked about, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Does anybody remember what chapter in the book of Acts do we find Paul? Landon got it last week. Go ahead and read 16, yes, Acts 16. And we, what two things, significant things happened in Acts 16 that we talked about last week for Paul's remembrance of Paul's memories of the church of Philippi? What were the two things specifically, Riley? Yeah, Lydia. Lydia got saved, exactly. And what else? The most obvious one. There's Lydia. <laughs> no, what would you say? What would you say? The jailer, yes. Lydia and the jailer. Because the jailer is the one that I would think would be more obvious. But maybe you guys, Bible scholars, Lydia is way more obvious than the jailer. So yes, <laughs> Lydia and the jailer happened. And Paul got beaten, but he still says, hey, I thank my God, but I remember some of you, even though we would look at it and say, you know what? I remember Philippi and it wasn't the best spot I would ever been in. And then we taught in verse number six, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform until the day of Jesus Christ. And then... Tells about how much he loved this. And verse number eight, for God is my record, how great I long after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. So all that we talked about last week, I'm glad you guys remembered, as we morph the thin, this is a church that Paul loves. Remember how we talked about it earlier. This is not something that Paul's thinking. Paul is not thinking, ah, I'm in jail, I'm in prison, I'm about to die, and this is some sad letter. This is excitement, it's joy. So we go to verse number nine. And what we're going to read today. So let's read verse 9, 10, 11 together. I think we can do that this morning. Philippians 1, 9 through 11. And this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and all judgment. That ye may approve things that are excellent. That ye may be sincere without offense to the day of Christ. Being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. All right. So as you have your handout, go ahead and grab your handout, and we're going to start filling in some blanks. Paul's prayer list for the Philippian church. Before we fill out this, let me ask you this. I was challenged a little while ago when we were, I think, Youth Workers Conference a couple years ago, to study the prayers of Paul, Paul as a prayer warrior. Now, I would challenge you, if you have opportunity, grab a concordance, look up the word Paul and pray, try to find him in the same verse or whatever, and study Paul's prayers. But as we look at it, Paul said... I make mention of you in my prayers last week. He said, I pray for you. He goes specifically. Let me ask you this, this morning. What are you specifically praying for? What is on your prayer list? Or do you even have one? As we read through Philippians chapter number one, and if you read other places, Ephesians and other places where Paul has prayer requests, Paul says, I'm praying for you. And this is specifically what I 
desire from God. Let me say, let me ask you this real quick before we jump into the lesson, because I think it's a side note that needs to be hit. Prayer lists, prayer requests are more than what we do or in a group. Now, I know that we'd say, we know that, Pastor Bird, we know that. But do we live that? Just a second ago, we split off, and I'm not going to ask you to do it. But just a second ago, we split off and prayed. Could you say on Wednesday that you remembered one of those prayer requests and you prayed for them again? Paul, when he's praying for the church, it's not simply Paul's not sitting down and saying, I love you guys. I'm praying for you guys. You guys do good. He says, no, I pray for you. And I think of you all the time. I love you guys. And this is what I'm praying for. And we're going to go through Paul's prayer list for the church today. But I just want to be encouraged myself and also to you guys to think about it. Apostle Paul is one of the greatest Christians. And I would hope, I would think that we would desire to be a great Christian. And a great Christian comes with praying specifically for God to do something. This morning, I hope, when you come to the house of God, you're praying specifically. God, I need help here. God, I have this need. And I'm praying specifically about it. So let's look at Paul. What is Paul praying for this church specifically? He prays for three things. Number one, that your love may abound. Now, we talked about how the Philippian church is a giving church. They give when no one else. I told you guys the illustration last week about my friend Brandon. That after we were out raking the yard last week and I told you about how he went home and got his gloves on and put his gloves on and came back and helped us. And this is what this church is to Paul. That and no one else is talking to Paul. No one else. People are leaving Paul left and right. But this church is like, we're sticking with you, Paul, all the way. We'll help you go through this. So they're a loving church. But Paul says this, I pray for you that your love may abound. The word abound there means to be superfluous, excel, increase. So he says, I pray that your love may increase even more. It's funny how... Sometimes as human beings, when we're good at something, we automatically believe that means we can stop doing it. You get to a, you get a, a ball player that they think they're good at basketball. I don't need to go to practice. When actually, in all honesty, when we're good at something, that is where we should strive for more. And Paul's saying, I'm praying for you because you're a loving church already that your love may abound. It goes on. He says, in knowledge. And that means recognition and knowledge. A recognition of some things is in judgment and discernment. So, Pastor Burn, what does all this have to do with me? We're getting there. Love may abound that it would be superfluous, excel, increase in knowledge, recognition, and judgment, discernment. In our world today, I would say our church as a whole, independent fundamental Baptist churches are not known for their love. Now, I believe Trinity Baptist Church would be different from that. From what I know of Trinity Baptist Church, even before I got here, I know that I've seen people that have gone through struggles in their lives, and they have come to Trinity Baptist Church and found a home, found people that loved them and cared for them and discipled them. You walk in the auditorium, there's lots of smiling faces. There's lots of people that love. But Paul says, the thing is, we need to love with knowledge and judgment. Some of you guys may know a person like this. We'll just throw it out. We'll just make a, a illustration. A young lady, a nice young lady. And just we'll throw it out there that at her school, everyone knows that she's a cheerful, nice, loving person. 
Now, that is a good thing. That is. But, you know, without knowledge and discernment in your love, you guys have seen it. People get really taken advantage of, do they not? They get ran over because they have no discernment or knowledge in the love that they're having. And Paul's saying, I desire, I'm praying specifically for your church because I know you guys are giving. You guys are loving. You guys will pour out to everyone. But I'm praying that you will do it in knowledge and in judgment. Let me give you an illustration. This week, it's always crazy because I'm sitting down at my desk studying this passage. And God always brings the things that happen in my life like as I'm studying it. So I'm studying this passage for this morning. And a guy, Mrs. E, opens my door and says, I hear having a conversation with somebody else. And she's saying, there's no other pastor here right now. You can come talk to Pastor Burden about it. But I don't know what he's going to do because no other pastor is here. And so whenever that happens, when they say there's no other pastor here and they're coming to my office, I, must, I believe, okay, we've got a problem. And I'm the only one sitting at a desk. So it's probably going to be come my way. So as I'm sitting there, in comes this guy. Walk straight into my office. I am telling you, I am going to end my life. It is over. I am done. And I was like, come on in. <laughs> Have a seat. Let's talk. <laughs> and, and Mrs. E brings him in, and Mrs. E shuts the door, and this guy goes through and starts telling me this, this whole story. He's like, I'm done. My niece just died. Yesterday she got hit by a car. It was a hit and run. And he started telling me this whole long spill of all these things that happened. He's like, I just need $25 for rent so I can stay in the place that I'm at. And I said, well, to be perfectly honest, as I'm studying this passage, Paul's saying, I'm praying that you guys would love, that your love would abound toward others. But you would do it with knowledge and judgment. You would recognize some things and you would have discernment in how you love. And so now there's a guy sitting at my desk as I'm studying this passage for this morning that I have to show love to. And I have to figure out, is this guy just in our office because he wants money? Is this guy here because he's really about to shoot, kill himself? And so as I'm, like as he's talking, I'm praying, Lord, give me wisdom because I have no idea what to do in this situation. And as we go through the conversation, I said, hey, well, let's forget about $25 because I was like, $25 is nothing in the scope of your life. And I was like, so you're honestly considering contemplating taking your life? He's like, yeah, I am. I am. And I was like, so you're telling me that if I don't give you $25, you're going to go kill yourself. And he's like, I'm not, I'm not all trying to say all that. I'm just trying to say life is hard. And I was like, I'm not doubting life is hard. And so we began to talk. And the more we began to talk, the stories kind of began to change about how the things, all the things happened in his life. And so then I said, well, to be perfectly honest, and I asked him if he knew Jesus Christ as a personal savior. I was like, do you know Jesus Christ as your personal savior? He's like, yeah, I know God. I love the Lord. I love the Lord. I love you too, Pastor Burton. I love you too, Pastor Burton. I love the Lord. And I was like, okay, well, I'm glad. I'm glad. So I said, well, what are you doing for the Lord to cultivate a relationship with the Lord right now? Do you go to church? Do you have a church? Do you, are you in the word of God? Do you love, if you love the Lord, what are you doing to cultivate a relationship? Well, I'm not all, I'm not all there. I'm not all there. I made some mistakes. I'm like, well, okay, that's no problem. We all do. We all do. So we started talking a little bit more. And I finally told him, I was like, well, sir, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not giving you $25. And he's like, well, I need food then. I need food. I was like, well, to be perfectly honest, sir, I'm not going to give you anything. And I said, because he kept saying, I'm being honest with you. And I'm like, well, if you want me to be honest with you, I was like, I believe you're a liar. And I believe you're lying straight to me. And he's like, no, 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 I wouldn't lie to you. I love you, Pastor Brent. I love you, Pastor Brent. I wouldn't lie to you. And I said, well, I believe, I believe you're lying to me. 
And he, he, then he's like, well, let me call so-and-so and so street up church up the road. They'll, they'll, they'll give me some money because they know me. And so I dialed that number with my cell phone, handed my cell phone, walked to make sure he didn't walk out of my office with my cell phone. <laughs> and as he's talking on the phone, he calls, and he just starts all again into it, crying voice. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm done with it. I'm done with it. He goes on and on and on again to this person. And they told him, come on down, we'll help you one more time. And so he even goes through, he's like, you know me, I've been there a couple of times asking you guys. And so long story short, I jump in my car and he's like, well, at first he, he's ready to go. And he's like, can I get a ride then? If not, give me any money. Can I get a ride? I was like, okay, I'll give you a ride. So we drive up to this other church. Now I already feel bad because I'm a pastor of another church driving some guy who's asking for money to another church so they can give them money because <laughs> we're not. <laughs> And he comes out with, a, I mean, like three seconds. He comes out, I mean, he's like, runs in the church, comes out with money. And he like comes back and he gets in the car and he's, we're driving down the road. He's like, can you drive me somewhere off of Pearson? So I was like, all right, just tell me where to go and I'll drive you home. So we got to talking. And I found out in the talking, I just asked some pointed questions. I was like, since we're just going to keep being honest with each other, and I believe you're lying to me, let me ask you this. And I started asking, like, if you were to stand before God right now, what would be, what would you tell God the reason let you get into heaven? He's like, that's a good question. That's a good question. And then you come to those answers that we joke about. He's like, I think I can get to heaven because I don't do drugs. I'm like, well, that's a good answer. That's a good answer. You don't do drugs. And so we went and talked. We talked for a long time. But as we pulled in and I dropped that guy off at his, his apartment there and I came back to church, I was thinking, this became so much more real, this passage. Because Paul is saying, I am praying for you, church. That you would love people. That you would love. that. See, this love that you showed to me, Philippi, church at Philippi, I want that to abound. I want that to increase. I want you to ever be more loving. But I want you to do it with knowledge and discernment. I want you to look at it and know, hey, this is the situation, how I need to love this person. Same thing with you guys at school. Some of you may get in huge trouble in your life because you desire to help someone who can pull you down. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with grabbing somebody who's having a hard time. You may know a person that's your friend right now that's having a terrible time in life. And you're like, well, Pastor Bernard, honestly, I'm all they have. If I'm not their friend, then they're not going to have a friend. And you know what? That's an awesome thing. But Paul says, I'm praying that your love would abound. It would increase. You would love, love, love. But you do so with knowledge and judgment. Hey, this friend that I have. Are they going to pull me away from God or am I pulling them? And he says that, so he first says, I'm praying for you. I'm living on my prayer list. Paul says, I pray for you that your love may abound. Second, he says that you may approve excellent things, that you may approve excellent things. The word approve means to test, to examine. So he says, in this, I pray that your love may abound yet more and more knowledge and all judgment, that you may approve things that are excellent. It means to test, to examine. Excellent means the better to be of more value. So he says, I want you to chase after things that are valuable. Now, this is like we talked about Wednesday night is a sign of maturity. He says, I want you to love more and more, not in the sermon. But the second thing is I want you to examine things that are more value. Let me ask you this. And I've asked you this multiple times. What are you doing in your life that's valuable? That's going to matter for eternity. I can think the old wild saying that they have there, two choice on the shelf, pleasing God and pleasing self. What are you doing that's valuable? 
There's a lot of things we do. I can tell you yesterday. I think I played video games for an hour or so yesterday. I didn't have anything going on. I can tell you up front, um, that was not valuable. I mean, I had fun, and I don't think there's anything wrong with it. But I'm going to tell you, in the, I'm just going to be honest with you, in the long runs of life, it wasn't valuable. And there's, I don't think there's, everything we do has to be, oh, man, I'm investing in 20 years from now. That's why I'm doing this one thing right now. But I am saying if our life is characterized by doing day in and day out things that don't matter, then what are we, what are we pushing forward to? And it's a sign of maturity. And we go through and Paul says, I'm praying that you love me, but I'm praying that you approve excellent things. Where do you spend your time at? What do you spend your money on? These things, Paul's saying, I'm praying that the church, that you would be moving towards things that are valuable. He goes on, he says, love me about, approve excellent things. And lastly, that you may be sincere and without offense. The word sincere there means genuine. <clears throat> that ye may be genuine. Without offense, offense means faultless, not leading into sin. This is a a key thing you need to learn from the Bible, just so you know. When you read the word offend, most of the time in the Bible, it is not talking about somebody hurting their feelings, somebody's feelings. It is talking about someone causing someone to sin. So if I said that I offended Bradley in the Bible, that doesn't mean that I, I said something bad to Bradley and now Bradley's mad. It means that I have led Bradley to a point where Bradley, I have caused him to sin. Kind of like uh, maybe Amnon and his friend starts with a J that I cannot think of right now. What would you say? Jonadab. Yes. And uh, Jonadab and Amnon. Hey, I know how we can sin. This is all we have to do. And so that is what the offense is. So he said this, I'm praying specifically for you, church, that you would be genuine. Now, this is a lot also goes on with the loving church. That they would be people that would be real. Uh, Braden gave in his testimony from New York. One of the things that stuck out in his mind from New York was Brother Art saying, go out and be genuine. Let me ask you this, guys. Are you genuine? Would your life be considered what you would say it is in here, what you would say in front of your parents, what you would say if Pastor Ferguson, you were sitting in Pastor Ferguson's office just shooting the breeze, would that be the same life you live when you sit with your friends? Now, I know there's a different, I don't talk, you won't talk to Pastor Ferguson like you talk to your buddy. I understand that. There's a whole, whole, whole different way, and if you did, that would be kind of weird anyway. But I'm saying, is your life genuine? And this is what the hardest, I guess the hardest thing, Ever, If I just be transparent for you another time, just again, one of the hardest things about being a pastor, like sometimes I so wish, other than I love getting paid for serving the Lord, I so wish I could go back to my regular job and do it like I did at Honda for the simple reason of this. When you're not a pastor, people are a lot more real with you than if you have pastor in front of your title. That's why most of the time, if I'm introducing myself out in public, I never say my name is Pastor Burton. I always say, my name's Aaron. My name's Aaron Burton. Because people are just aren't genuine. Because as soon as I say, I'm Pastor Burton, all of a sudden, like, bing, 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 every wall comes up. Just like that guy the other day. I love the Lord. I love you too, Pastor Burton. I love the Lord. And that's what happened. Like, everybody turns into this. But I'm asking you, and Paul says, I'm praying to the church of Philippi, that you guys are loving. You guys give. You do. 
But I'm praying that that would be honestly where your heart is. See, my hope would be that you guys couldn't come to youth group a Sunday school and give me right answers. Yeah, I know I should read my Bible. Yeah, I know I should have a specific prayer list. But instead, you have a life that matches that. That says, you know what? I am doing exactly what I say. You know what? The hardest part is funny. Uh, when you look at a person that you believe to know, and it's funny, if you go look at that person on most of their social networks, like you're like, you come to church, you see this person every time, and then you flip to their page. What kind of music do they like? Oh, wow. That's nothing like they would, I would have thought. What, what, what kind of TV shows? Whoa, I don't, that's nothing like I would have thought. And you know what Paul says? I pray. I pray that you're genuine. That the same life you live, you're sincere. You don't come to church and put a smile on because you're at church. You come to put a smile on because you love Jesus and you're glad to be here. And when we look at our lives, is it like that? And Paul's saying, you know what, guys? I'm specifically praying for you. In these areas, I want your love to abound. Man, I want you guys to increase in love, but I want you to do with knowledge and discernment. Man, I'm praying that you would go after those things that are excellent, those things that are valuable, that your church, church at Philippi would go farther into things that matter for eternity. And he says, then I pray that you be sincere. And then without offense, that I would not cause others to sin. A lot of times in our lives, we do think that if, I haven't done anything. It's not my problem. It's not my fault. But the Bible says, woe unto them who offenses come. Woe to those people who walk around to cause others to sin. Maybe one of the areas we call it, just the illustration is we call it an instigator. <laughs> Sometimes we laugh. <laughs> yeah, I'm an instigator. I love stirring up. <laughs> I love stirring people up, getting them riled up and walking away. Can I tell you that that's causing offense, causing other people to sin. Maybe it's your attitude. Maybe it's your actions. I don't know. Maybe the way you dress, whatever. Those things cause offenses. And the Bible says that Paul says, I'm praying that you would be sincere. You would be genuine and that you would not cause anyone else to sin. I tell you, there's things in my life that I don't do that. I don't think there's anything wrong with to be perfectly honest. I mean, you sat in my office and you say, Pastor Burton, why don't you? And I would tell you straight out, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I don't do it because I don't want other people to offend. I don't want somebody. Paul, the Bible says the argument back in the Bible days was people that ate meat offered to idols. Doesn't affect us. If we looked at it today in our church, we'd probably laugh at the stupid thing that, oh, these people over here are eating meat that someone put in front of an idol. And I'm not going to eat that. I would never eat meat that. No, in front of idols. And Paul says, that meat that's offered to idols is the same meat as everything else. So really, the idol's not real. So there's no need of us getting all bent out of shape, grab the meat, cook it, and eat it. But the people, there's people in the church that would say, no, no, no. Because they came out of that religion or something, they'd be like, no, we cannot eat that meat because that meat is sinful. It's offered to idols. And Paul says, you know what? To be perfectly honest, it's just regular meat. That idol doesn't mean anything. It's just a block of wood. And just because that, that meat sat in front of that block of wood, I'm going to eat that meat. But there's people that said, Paul, you can't do that. And Paul said, you know what? I would not eat that meat so that I would not hurt my brother. 
So what is it in our lives? We have to make sure that in our lives, we're not, we're sincere, we're genuine, but we're not causing others to offend. We're not putting stuff out there. Hey, I know your parents don't let you do this, but you come over to my house and you do it. Can I say that's causing offense? (laughs) Your parents may not let you, but we'll do it when we leave. Paul says, I'm praying that you be sincere, that you be without offense. And he goes on lastly. That you may be filled. I mean, yeah, I'm sorry. Verse number nine, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. So being filled with the fruit of righteousness. Being filled with the fruit of righteousness. The fruit of righteousness is simply this. Me exemplifying in my life the things that are right, the blessings that come with it. I can tell you right now that as a young person that serves God, there are blessings that will occur in your life if you decide to do what's right. I can tell you, we'll throw it out there, that if you decide to stay pure till the day you walk down the aisle and stand before your husband or your wife, I will tell you there are blessings that come with that. I'll even go farther. I can tell you that there are blessings that will come with it if you do not give your heart away multiple times in the area of dating and just keep going, bouncing from person to person to person. Well, I'm just trying to find the right one. I'm trying to find. I will guarantee you that if you save yourself mentally for that right person that God has for you, there are blessings that occur with this. And that's what the fruit of righteousness are. Paul's saying, I'm praying that your love may abound, that you would prove those things that are excellent, and that you would be sincere without offense. Because as those things come, the fruits, the blessings, of righteousness, just like a farmer. Drive past all the fields right now. Right? Corn's starting to come up and all these things are starting to come up. That farmer is hoping that those things that he planted will grow. And one day he'll go to the farmer's market or wherever he does with his food, feeds it the, the horses or whatever. He's hoping that he'll come through and he'll get something that he'll have. He'll have fruit for his labors. Paul's saying, I'm praying that in your life, you'll have the fruits of righteousness. That there'll be blessings that come because you decided to do what is right. This is where we so horribly miss as young people because we see all the fruits of everything else. As a young person, I see the fruits of the flesh everywhere I look. I look at my friends. Oh, man, they're having a good time. They're enjoying life. And see, I don't get to do those things. I I don't get to have those things. I watch television. Oh, man, this is the way life is, even though it is life on a script. Even though someone sat down and wrote out a story, we will believe it as reality. And we'll say, this is what I desire in my life. And we see the fruits of the flesh, and sometimes we desire those things. But Paul's saying, I'm praying for you, children of Philippi, specifically, that you would have fruits of righteousness. You would have blessing in your life that come with doing right. See, the hard thing is, I can't prove those things to you until you experience them. I can't. I can tell you what it's like. Man, it's so great to have my daughter come and to ask me. My daughter asked me, Dad, can we read the Bible at night together? Man, that's awesome to me. As a dad, like my four-year-old daughter saying, Dad, we need to read. And you know what? She even goes as far as this. We used the iPad the first night, and she's like, no, Dad, can we use the real Bible? And she's like, can I, we use the real Bible to do, to do our story tonight? Now, that to me is awesome. And I can never, other than maybe tell you the story about it and make you, and maybe in your heart you get the warm and fuzzies and all that's so great. 
But really, I can't magnify to you the blessings of righteousness, the fruits of righteousness, until you experience them. And when you experience them, you look back and you say, you know what? (laughs) The things that I thought I had to give up, so to speak, to get here, were nothing. The day that you and your husband or your wife go and have a great time together and your heart hasn't been torn in pieces by 50 other million people that didn't care about you, that when you, you go on that vacation together, your honeymoon or whatever, on a time away, you're just like enjoying life. There's not regrets. And Paul's saying, I'm praying that you will have the fruits of righteousness. Can I tell you that's my prayer for you guys? And I don't specifically pray the fruits of righteousness. God, would you please help Landon have the fruits of righteousness expelled in his life? I don't pray like that. But I do pray that you would have the fruits of righteousness in your life. That when you look at your life, you experience the blessing of God. There's multiple in here that I can think of Adam who worked to go to New York. Brittany and uh, Bradley working to go to camp and others of you have done work to do those things. But I think of Adam specifically because he kept, he kept calling me to let him know, let me know how far he had made it along. Now, you can say the trip in New York was great. But if you are a person that walked through a whole neighborhood knocking from door to door to ask if they could cut grass so that they could make enough money to get themselves to New York, not for entertainment, but to minister. Can I tell you there's something, a fruit of righteousness? As that farmer goes through and the work he's put in to be able to grab that fruit and to see a little child come to know Christ and know that I worked hard to get here. I worked hard to see this person saved. Can I say the same thing in our lives? When you live the life God wants you to do, those fruits are a beautiful thing. And Paul says, that's what I'm praying for you. I want you to have the fruit of righteousness. And he goes on. That the source, let's look at the source real quick, is Jesus Christ. Verse number nine, being filled with the fruits of Christ, which are by Jesus Christ. Now, I would be remiss to talk that long on the fruits of righteousness and not tell you that these things only, only, only come by Jesus Christ. See, this is the classic thing. Now, this just happened yesterday. But it reminded me of Rianne's illustration that she gave from New York when she said she talked to the guy whose heart was hardened and she thought how many times she was hardened by sin. And she turned on. And I thought the same thing as I drove that man back to his house. And I thought as I'm trying to convey this man, his need for a savior, I don't think this guy would listen to me at all. He kept saying, that's a, that's a really good point. That's a really good point. Before I'd even finish the point. That's a really good point. That's a really good point. And I don't think he was listening to me at all. And as I dropped him off, I thought, man, how blinded he is. And then it hit me how blinded I am sometimes that I'm looking at. That's really good preaching. That's really good preaching. And ding, ding's popping off, not even going inside. And he says, Paul says, as you talking about the fruits of righteousness, he said, those things only come by Jesus Christ. And these things only come by relationship with Jesus Christ. Can I tell you, the only way that you will one day have an awesome family that loves God is by Jesus Christ. Can I tell you, the only way you'll go to school next semester and do anything for God is by Jesus Christ. It's all by Jesus Christ. So that's why you need to have a relationship. That's why you need to cultivate a relationship. That's why you read your Bible. It's not because I need a checklist. It's not because it's some gene, the magic lamp. I read my Bible this morning and my day still didn't go well. You know what? You read your Bible every day and your day's not going to go well all the time. You don't read it because you want your day to go well. You read it because you need Jesus Christ. You need that relationship. And as you start to read, you start to pray. You know what? God does not need me to pray. There is nothing in heaven that is powered by Aaron Burton's prayers. 
Oh, Aaron Burton's praying, so that's beating up the little electricity in heaven and something's happening because Aaron's praying. No, God doesn't need me to pray. But I need to pray because I need God. And see, Paul says those fruits of righteousness are going to come by Jesus Christ, by you establishing that relationship. And this is what I'm praying for you, Church of Philippi, that you would establish this relationship and then that God would get all the glory. Finishes up, he says, that glory and praise go to God. That glory and praise go to God. One of the best passages we're going to get there in Philippians, and we're going to see it. All throughout Philippians, we're talking about the glory of God. Hang on with me, and we'll be done in just two or three minutes. Philippians chapter 2 says, Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, and made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of a man. Being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself. It became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, God has highly exalted him, Jesus Christ, and given him a name which is above every name, that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven, of things in the earth, and things under the earth, that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Now, if I left that passage and did not tell you the rest of the, the, rest of the passage, I would have done a severe injustice to the life of Jesus Christ. Well, see, Pastor Burton? Jesus Christ lived a whole sinless life. He died. He let men spit on him. He let men beat him. And now Jesus Christ goes to heaven. And he gets glory and honor because every day, every person, every knee is going to bow that Jesus Christ is Lord. Isn't that great? But then the verse says, to the glory of God the Father. Jesus Christ's whole life was the glory of God the Father. So can I tell you that for me, Aaron Burden, to one day, if God allows me, God's grace to be insufficient, that I live to be 60, 70, 80, 90 years old, and God gives me a fruitful ministry, and I sit down with anybody and ever sit down and say, one day maybe I'm 90 years old and you guys are still young and running around, and I'm 90 years old and we sit down and have lunch one day, and you say, you say man, Pastor Burden, God's really using it. For me to sit there at a 90-year-old man and say, yeah, when I think about it, kind of like my voice in the eighth grade video. <laughs> when, I, when, I, when I think about it, yeah. God's done so much in my life. Man, God is so good. I'm, I'm, I mean, he just used me so mildly. And I would try to take glory from any of it. After Jesus Christ lived his whole entire life, endured all the pain and suffering, and he said, the reason I did it was the glory of God the Father. Those fruits of righteousness, that you guys want those blessings that come from living for God, come by Jesus Christ. But it should be ultimately to the glory of God the Father. Not that any person in here, anybody in this youth group, including myself, is anything special. But we've cultivated a relationship with Christ, and God allows us to enjoy the fruits of righteousness so that we can give him the glory. And this is what Paul's saying. I am praying specifically for your life. So that's Paul's prayer list. Man, Paul, <laughs> Paul knows how to pray. When he prays, he prays specifically for things. What's ours? So let's pray. My wife has an announcement for the camp people, and we'll be going. Dearly Father, God, we do thank you so much for your word. I thank you for this passage here, Philippians 1, 9 through 11. And God, I pray for myself, Lord, that we would pray more specifically, God, about what we desire to see you do in our lives. God, what we desire to see you do in others' lives. And God, I ask you to help us to grow these things in our own lives that Paul's praying specifically for the Church of Philippi as we study through this book. We love you, and we need your help badly, and we'll thank you for all that you do in Jesus' name. Amen.